We're about to make history, each and every one of you. We use the word revolution because this is a revolution. I am NXT, and I'm not going anywhere. Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. Bro. This is an official declaration of war tonight to anyone wants to get in my way and anybody who stands in AEW's way. We are NXT! This is what you call Paradigm shift. Hello, you're listening to WWE versus AEW Live. I am your host, Daniel. Do you know what? I always not struggle with it, right? But I always think to myself, I hate the intro to podcasts. Do have you do any people ever listen to podcast intros and think that sounds well robotic? And that's exactly how I feel like I sound. But hey, you're listening to WWE versus AEW. W live, trying not to sound as robotic as possible. Um, I'm your host, Daniel. And on today's show, main story, we're going to be talking about what is behind me. If you're an audio listener, you're probably wondering what is this guy going on about. But yeah, we're going to be talking about the lineup for the main event of Elimination Chamber, that WWE title match. I mean, we'll get into it in a second. We're also going to be talking about other stuff on Raw. Matt Riddle versus Keith Lee. That would have been a huge match. Well, for us diehard wrestling fans, what? It's a couple of years ago. If someone said to me, Matt Riddle would be facing Keith Lee, you'd go on Twitter and you wouldn't be able to escape it. I remember the matches that evolved. Well, they had a match on Raw that nobody's talking about. Um, We've got a couple of matches that look like they're heading for WrestleMania. We're going to finish off by talking about AEW Dynamite from last night. That Pretty stellar show. I thought it was a really good dynamite last night. Um, but first, we're going to get into this. Every week, I always start with this. So, I know you're all sat there on the edgy seat wondering, what has he got to drink this week? Well, it's going to be a surprise. Great audio. We have got... I don't even know if they do this in the States. Someone let me know, do they do this in the States? Dandelion and Burdock. No added sugar. Straight from Morrison's. It is absolutely... Beautiful. It's probably better with sugar, but trying to be a bit more healthy. But cheers, everyone. Oh, bro, that's so good. Do they do it in the States? Dan Vine and Burdock. Someone let me know on Twitter. Um, But yeah, so yeah. Get your drinks together, because we've got quite a lot to talk about this week. I put a tweet up, didn't I? I don't know if anyone's seen it on our Twitter. I'm guessing people have put a tweet up about the Elimination Chamber. All I put was, Elimination Chamber, Drew versus, check this, Sheamus, Orton, Jeff, Miz, and AJ Styles. Where are Riddle, Lee, Ricochet, Almas, Garza, Ali, Alexander, Kofi? They had to go with the older people. So I'm going to be talking about that because on this tweet... We got a ridiculous amount of comments on it. I think in the region of 50 plus. A lot of them were WWE diehards right up my ass, up my hole if you watch Raw. But I mean, I, don't, I just, people think like, oh, it, it really winds me up. So if you, if you like, I like WWE. 
and I like AEW. Yeah, I've been WWE is the reason why I watch wrestling. Yeah, but it fit, what's annoying in this landscape? It feels like if you're in the middle, if you put a tweet up bashing WWE, yeah, oh, you're biased against WWE. You're biased against WWE, and it's not that. It's like they don't escape criticism. I find it strange because say all these diehard WWE fans, right? And there's diehard AEW fans. Don't get me wrong, which can be annoying as well. But diehard WWE fans, yeah, right. So I'm a Preston fan. Football in England, yeah, right? I go, I travel hundreds of miles, well, I did before the pandemic, every couple of weeks to watch this, yeah? Hundreds of miles, right? But if if I go and watch my team and we play, f I'm going to swear, fucking shit, yeah? I'll be the first to be like, they were awful today. Sack them, sack the lot of them, they're all shit, yeah? But I don't know what it is about the WWE fans where they're like, can't criticise WWE. And I wouldn't mind... My football team perform a lot better on a weekly basis than WWE do, and we're only mid-table, but I just don't understand the logic. Like, why can you not criticise WWE? I just find it bizarre, and for a reason such as this, as this, right? So, it's the Elimination Chamber. It's the road to WrestleMania, yeah? Sheamus is 43 years old. Jeff Hardy, 43 years old. AJ Styles, 43 years old. Orton, 40 years old. Miz, as if Miz is 40, by the way. Miz, 40 years old. Drew is the youngest in the match. What's he, like, 35, 36? And it's like, these these wrestlers, yeah, all the five challengers are, like, three to four years older, at least, than HBK was. Do you remember when HBK came back? Survivor Series 2002, yeah? Survivor Series 2002, Shawn Michaels comes back. He wins the World Heavyweight title in that first Elimination Chamber. He, at that point, was younger than any challenger in this match. And at the time, nobody was like, oh, do you know what I mean? It, it, it's like, no one was like, oh, Shawn Michaels looks dead up. It, it, I just find it bizarre. I mean, some of the replies I was getting, I mean, you're reading it and you're like, I'm someone, if I read something, I think, well, fuck them. I'm going to say something back here. But I was reading them, I just thought, you just can't really argue with people. I mean, I'm not going to point out names yet. I'm just going to read you some of like the replies that we were getting, right? So it's like, one of them, if Matt Riddle can't beat Lashley, why should I believe he can beat Drew? Do you know why? Because believe it or not, this is fake, yeah? This is fake, yeah? They knew there was an elimination chamber coming up. They could have easily had Matt Riddle beat Lashley on his way to the elimination chamber. They could have not booked Matt Riddle to be a complete loser for the last few months if they wanted him in the elimination chamber. Same with Ricochet. Ricochet has been a he's been an absolute loser, Ricochet. No offense to the guy, because I think he's great. Keith Lee, Keith Lee, what's Keith Lee been doing? I mean he joined the main roster in August, yeah. And yeah, he's been like put in main events, but he's just been made to look to look to look stupid really. And I've, people have been saying, oh, why would you want Matt Riddle? Why would you want Keith Lee, Ricochet, Almas, Garza? Why would you want them? Why would you want them in an elimination chamber to take a fall? You don't want them taking a fall. They get, they'll get buried. Really? Were you watching the elimination chamber two years ago when Kofi Kingston took a pinfall? Kofi took a pinfall, yeah? He lost. He didn't win it. He didn't win that elimination chamber, yeah? He lost. And he came out of it, the most over guy on the roster. He basically got forced to be put into the title match against Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. Purely on that performance, yeah? So, this bollocks 
But if you take a pinfall in the elimination chamber, you, you basically, you don't want to be doing that. It's the biggest load of shit ever. You can still protect someone by having them take a fall. It's really not hard. I mean, WWE fans might not be used to this because they're probably not used to consistent good booking. And don't be like, oh, he's biased against WWE, blah, blah, blah. Because I'm not. Nobody wants WWE to be more successful than me, except maybe Vince, although you wouldn't believe it. Like, I, I just don't get the thought process behind it. You can't criticise WWE anymore on social media without Alexa Bliss fan 4231 having a go at you. It's just bizarre. I mean, it, I feel like it's only started the last few years. Since AEW came around, people have just... This all taking sides things. Do you really think anybody who bashes WWE wants to go and sit and watch Raw and SmackDown for five hours if it's absolutely crap? I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong, it does give me something to talk about on a podcast. But... It was just so much better when it was going to mean that... I'll be honest with you, WWE, I've said this for a while. I think the WWE pay-per-views post-pandemic, yeah, during the pandemic, have been of a better, more consistent quality than the AEW pay-per-views. For me, without a shadow of a doubt, I mean, they've not been excellent, yeah, but they've not been bad, they've not been okay, they've all been good to very good. Some of the pay-per-views, they've all been very consistent. Rather than to be honest, some of the AEW pay-per-views, that all-out show... It was like four and a half hours, and I found a lot of it boring. I was ready for it to end, whereas WWE pay-per-views have been better. So, I think the WWE pay-per-views are good. It's just a weekly TV. Even SmackDown's starting to, like, go a little bit down. Um, but some of the ones, we've got another reply. As I say, I'm not going to read names out because I ain't calling anyone out. I'm just basically reading out the points. Someone's replied, same in AEW. All the top stars are former veterans. I'm not sure how you could be a former veteran. You'd probably just be a veteran, wouldn't you? But, I mean, that is just not the case, yeah? I mean, they're probably talking about Jericho and Sting. Yeah, Jericho and Sting. The top stars, is that what they're saying? Couldn't be further from the truth, yeah? So what is Sting doing now? He is in a program with what? Teaming with Darby Allen, taking on Team Taz. He's used... the pro. His Sting is being used to elevate wrestlers in their late 20s, early 30s, such as Darby Allen. Do you know what I mean? Ricky Starks, people like that. Brian Cage, I think, is, what, mid-30s. But it's not like Sting is, like, about to face Kenny Omega for the title, is he? Do you know what I mean? I know people that, oh, Lance Archer, this, blah, 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 blah. It's not the point that we're getting at. Jericho, look at Jericho. What's Jericho doing, yeah? Oh, they're relying on veteran stars for the main event. Pretty sure Jericho is in there every week with people like the acclaimed private party. Do you know what I mean? He might be beating him, but they're getting over with having good competitive matches with him. So I don't understand this. Oh, they're at the top of the card. They're relying on him. They're not. John Moxley and Kenny Omega are the two wrestlers who were right at the very top of the AEW card, yeah? And what Moxley is definitely below 40. So is Omega. I think they're both about 35, 36. But another one, veterans draw, that's it. And it's like, yeah, you can rely on Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan to come back and pop you a rating. But I just don't, I can't believe I'm at the stage where people are like, veterans draw. And those veterans they're referring to are The Miz, are Sheamus. It's like, in 2009, 2010, all the people who were like big Attitude Era fans who pop back in now and again... I'd see these guys and be like, I'm not watching that. I've got mates who are like, oh, Stone Cold, The Rock. And then they'd tune in for a WrestleMania or a SummerSlam every now and again. Out now and again. They'd be like, 
I remember, what was the WrestleMania where there was like The Miz? Why is The Miz against Cena in the main event of WrestleMania? The Miz is shit. Same with Sheamus. I mean, I think they're fine. I don't have a problem with them. But it's just, I can't believe we're now relying on The Miz and Sheamus. No disrespect to anyone. They've had good careers to be our top drawing veterans. Is that really where we are? Where we're relying on The Miz and Sheamus? Dear me, dear me. And so some of this, another tweet, another one. They, I'm getting more annoyed as I'm reading this. They haven't done anything to deserve it. So what you're saying is they haven't done anything or warranted in booking-wise being in this chamber. Whose fault's that? It's the WWE's fault. Matt Riddle is amazing. I've seen him live countless times. He stole the show on countless independent shows. He was killing it in NXT. Same with Keith Lee. Same with Ricochet. Same with Andrade Cien Almas. Same with Garza. Ali's great. Alexander. Do you know what I mean? Like, they were killing it in NXT. They was having great matches. So, that, so, so to say they haven't done anything to deserve it. No, what you're saying is you've only been watching them since they've been on Raw where some absolute psychopath is running the show and he's booking them to lose every week or just look like losers. Why is Lashley at 44, 45, whatever he is, squashing Matt Riddle 10 years younger? Lashley should be used to put over Matt Riddle and someone will probably, oh, well, he'll probably get his win at the Elimination Chamber. He's been meant to look like an absolute loser for the last six weeks, yeah? It's just insanity. It's insanity. What are they doing? Why are all the guys in the 30s losing to the guys in the 40s? Ten years ago, people like The Miz, people like Sheamus, yeah? People like Randy Orton. They were all, what, 31, 32? And what were they doing? They was at the top of the card in title matches, inside elimination. I'm sure 11, 10 years ago, Seamus, Orton, Miz, they were all in the elimination chamber, yeah? Jeff Hardy was at the top of the card facing CM Punk, what, 12 years ago. They was all at the top on the top of the card. What are we going to do in 10 years' time? Who's going to be at the top of the card in 10 years' time? Are we going to be like, oh, well, older guys, they're the draws. So Matt Riddle at 43 and Keith Lee at 44 coming trotting out. They're not going to be able to do that because they were they weren't even pushed during the time. I just I just I, I sat and watched Raw and SmackDown every week, 2009, 2010, 2011. Sheamus wasn't a star. The Miz wasn't a star. Jeff Hardy flirted with being a star. Randy Orton wasn't really a star. He was a main eventer, but he wasn't like a big draw. He's only really got. I'm a big Randy Orton fan, but Randy Orton... People, if you got on message boards in 2009, 2010, people are like, why is Randy Orton in the main event? It was every week. So, the only way that you're going to get these people over... What are they going to do in five years' time? I'd, I can't wait to get a crystal ball and see who is going to be inside that elimination chamber in five, six years. They're going to have to, at some point, push younger talent. All these people... Matt, three years ago, if we'd have been like... Oh, Matt Riddle, Keith Lee, Ricochet, Andrade. Those four were top people in NXT, yeah. Everybody loved them. Everyone would be like, oh, I can't wait. This was back when we was all like, oh, hope they get called up to the main roster. Foolishly, not realising they weren't going to get any sort of a push. We're having, just step back and think we're having. Picture Riddle, Lee, Ricochet, Andrade, when they were in NXT, 
how over they were, how great they were. Imagine thinking that in a few years' time, when they're on the main roster, we won't be going with those guys for the Elimination Chamber or for big spots. We're going to be going with The Miz, Sheamus, Randy Orton. It's just like, seriously? I just don't understand how anyone could want this at all. It, I don't know. I don't know. If, if like, I'm, I'm going on about this, I'm babbling, but if The Miz and Sheamus are our veterans we're relying on to draw, then we're in deep shit. Uh, another one. Which one out of these is a believable winner? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, well, yeah, the believable winners. Why? Because the book to be believable winners. It's just, it's just, I just find it crazy. I mean, The Rock, but let's just another example. The Rock, The Rock was on top, what, 2000, 2001. What was he, about 29, 30? Sheamus is 15 years older than The Rock was when he was, like, headlining WrestleManias. 15 years older. And people are like, oh, age doesn't matter. And I do agree. AJ Styles, Orton, fine. Have them in the match. They are your upper stars, yeah. But to have five of these guys in, five, it's just like, who is going to gain anything out of this match? AJ Styles isn't going to be any more over after this match. The Miz, Jeff, Orton, Sheamus. They're just not. Like... Yeah, Drew, Drew, what's Drew going to get by beating these guys? Jeff Hardy, Jeff Hardy, yeah, got announced to be in this match. And 15 minutes later, is losing clean to the heel. What is up? Why is the babyface losing clean to the heel before the babyface is in the main event of a pay-per-view? What are they doing? It's just baffling. And all the people that are defending it, who are blaming biasy against WWE, they're pissed. Let me have another bit of this Dandelion and Burdock. Ah, oh, what a way to spend a Tuesday, Tuesday, Thursday afternoon in February ranting in front of a microphone. Oh, dear me, dear me. Right, we're going to have to move on to the elimination. I'm surprised that's still on the screen, by the way. But, um, yeah, we've got a few comments. Ryan, WWE need to build stars instead of bringing legends. It's true. Like I've just been saying 15 minutes, when... Are they going to push the button on this? I mean, there's not even like a crop in NXT anymore that you could bring up and put in. Like, they're not going to put Adam Cole, Gargano in. We've got veterans of NXT now. But, yeah, anyway, we're going to have to move on. Aren't we? we were going to have to move on. And normally we start the show with this, but uh, I needed to get that Elimination Chamber stuff out there. Last week's ratings for the Wednesday Night Wars were a big shock. I mean, if you listen to last week's show, which many of you did, I think I was predicting about 750,000 each, maybe AEW with a slight win. The ratings for last week with Edge. Edge, the guy who's main event in WrestleMania, the veteran, shall we say, right, announced for NXT. AEW had their Beach Blast show, yeah? I was aware I kept saying Beach Blast wrong last week. What was I calling it? Oh, again, Beach Blast, it's Beach Break. Beach break, apparently. I couldn't get that name right if you paid me to, right? But, so, AEW did 844,000 to NXT's 610,000. I, I mean, I remember last year, people were like, oh, Edge isn't a draw. The Royal Rumble, the Raw after the Royal Rumble didn't go up. And I thought, well, you can't really blame it on Edge. 
But this year, for Edge, it just shows Ed, Edge can't draw. Can't draw can't draw at all. For NXT to only have 610,000 viewers with the guy who's headlining WrestleMania on the show, that's scary shit. I mean, I think Raw was up 4% or something from the week before. It's just... I don't know. I mean, if you do go back when we when Edge was like at the top, he was never. Yeah, people people like history can change people's minds. I was watching it every week. I'm sure people were. Edge was like, he was the main event, but he was never like a complete star. Do you know what I'm saying? He wasn't like he wasn't on your Cena levels. He wasn't on your Batista levels. Possibly wasn't even on your Orton levels. I mean, I think. He was just the heel champion. Where I mean, if with Edge, no matter what history has told you, with Edge, whenever he went babyface, it didn't work. And I love Edge, even if he's blocked us. But I think Edge is great, yeah. But whenever he went babyface, the crowd weren't with him. They weren't with him. I mean, he was heel against Taker at that Mania in Orlando. That was great, yeah. But if you remember when he came back after his injury, he wins the Rumble, yeah, and he goes on to face Jericho at Mania. Crowd didn't care. Crowd didn't care. Do you remember that whole build? It was spear, spear. The crowd weren't interested at Edge as a babyface. Then he went back heel with the Vicky Guerrero stuff. Maybe that was after that. And then, obviously, the match where he finished. This is how much of a draw WWE considered Edge to be. His title match on his last WrestleMania he competed at opened Mania. The world title match for WrestleMania, Edge was deemed that little... Not even that little. I don't like saying that, but Edge. WWE thought, didn't think... Can you imagine now Roman Reigns? Is Roman Reigns going to open WrestleMania? No, he's not, is he? But WWE's views on Edge were, he's the champion, he's facing Del Rio, and he's going to retain. This match is only worthy of opening the show. That tells you everything. People might, who didn't watch 10 years ago might think, oh, Edge is this. It's like the second... It's like John Cena, Batista. It's not... Edge was never on that level in terms of drawing. He might have been a better talent, but people just have small memories. He was opening... He might have gone out as the champion, but he was opening WrestleMania as champion. Who else has opened a WrestleMania as champion in recent years? Nobody. So that just shows the position that Edge was in. Someone's going to be like, oh, WrestleMania 30. Such a thing opened. But I don't think... Usually the champion, do you know what I mean? Daniel Bryan, Kofi Kingston, that didn't open the show, did it? Do you know what I mean? It's not heard of. AJ Styles Nakamura didn't open the show. The world title match opened the show. That just sums up what WWE at the time classed Edge as. But anyway, I didn't even have any notes about that to talk about. I just thought I just thought of it then. Um, so yeah, so I spoke about the start show. Keith Lee versus Matt Riddle. This is another just strange booking. So it's Keith Lee versus Matt Riddle, right? And I had about an hour to watch Raw before I started work on Tuesday morning. And I fast-forwarded through it and I thought, Keith Lee versus Matt Riddle, two of, two, I hate the term, favourite wrestlers, but two wrestlers two years ago, I'd be watching every match of theirs. And I'm skipping it. And I thought, wow, as if I just thought about skipping that. So the match, Keith, this the match before, they have a backstage, like a little backstage back and forth between them where Lee's basically saying, look, you, you, you shouldn't be challenging Lashley, but let's go out there and let's see who should challenge Bobby Lashley for the US title at the Elimination Chamber. Keith Lee wins, yeah? Keith Lee wins. So Keith Lee is facing Bobby Lashley at Elimination Chamber. Beats Matt Riddle, just like everybody seems to beat Matt Riddle. 
Lashley comes out, beats both of them down, and we're getting a triple threat match. Why is Matt Riddle in this triple threat match? He lost to Lashley about a month ago. He faced him again, lost, tapped out. I know he won via, like, DQ. He taps like a bitch, yeah? MVP saying that Lashley's going to kill him. Then this week, he gets beat by another number one contender. But he's in the title. He's probably going to win, isn't he? I think he'll probably win that title at Elimination Chamber if WWE booking goes for it. And people will be like, oh, see? It was always the plan to have Matt Riddle come out as the star. Matt Riddle was always going over. See, you were wrong. Bollocks. Absolute bollocks. The book, week to week. There's no long-term plan of Matt Riddle winning the title at Elimination Chamber. The book, week to week. And they'll be like, oh, see, we, we can put him over. He's lost every week in the build-up to this. He shouldn't even be in the match. And that is someone who loves Matt Riddle. I think he's absolutely incredible in the ring. But, yeah. So that triple threat match, something we can look forward to eliminating. The match itself, quite excited about. But how we get there is another issue. A match I'm not excited about, Elimination Chamber. The third match, Oscar versus Lacey Evans. Lacey Evans, how does Lacey Evans get a title match? Obviously, Lacey's, like, quite low down in the pecking order, you'd say. Do you know what I mean? She needs, like, a, a big win or something behind it if she's going to go head-to-head with Oscar. She beat Charlotte via DQ to get a number one contenders match. It's just, like, it's Oscar's getting absolutely, excuse my French, fucked over again, isn't she? It happened, what, when they went with, they put the title, what did they do? They put the title on Charlotte, didn't they, leading up to the triple threat match that was main event in Mania 35. Twitter was a pin-out raw, and I'm sure it's going to happen again, because I think Lacey's going to take the belt off Oscar, and we're going to get Charlotte versus Lacey at WrestleMania. And Twitter will be absolutely livid about it. Oscar's been champion for most of the year. She's been given nothing. She's just had to do her best, and then they're going to trot her out there a month before WrestleMania. She's going to lose the title to Lacey Evans. Thanks for everything, Oscar, and we're getting Charlotte versus Lacey at WrestleMania. Maybe they'll do a triple threat match, but it's just going to be Charlotte versus Lacey with Rick at Mania for me, and Oscar's just going to be, what, maybe in the Women's Battle Royal, maybe in the tag team match, and people will be fuming. But yeah, Charlotte versus Lacey. I mean, hopefully they watched that match from Raw, which was not good. And they think, mm, we definitely need Oscar in there, but I wouldn't count against it. I hate triple threat matches. Just, to me, laziness. Just laziness going with triple threat match- matches at WrestleMania. Now, can't talk about Raw without talking about this. Nia Jax versus Lana. I mean, there's not really much more I have to say on it that anyone else hasn't said, but basically, Nia Jax goes through a table. She jumps up. If you've not seen it, I, I don't know what to tell you. She basically grabs her ass and starts shouting, Ow, my hole, which has been all over Twitter all week. And yeah, it, it you can put whatever spin you want on it. Maybe people are saying, oh, she knew she was doing the job for Lana, so she made the match about herself, and now nobody's talking about the Lana win. Maybe, maybe not, probably not, but you could put that spin. It just seems there's always something with Nair in there. There's always some bit of controversy if she's not breaking someone's nose injuring someone, concussing someone, she's basically talking, do you know what I mean, it's just there's always something, I wonder one day, I think if she wasn't related to The Rock, I think she might have been, she might have been sent packing by now, or at least back in NXT, because there just always seems to be something with Nia Jax, doesn't there, but hey, it's entertaining, it's entertaining, um, oh yeah, good point for Ren actually going back to, um, Going back to that, Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus at WrestleMania was the opening 
It was, which tells you everything. They class Sheamus as the sort of champion that should... It was Daniel Bryan, actually, weren't they? But that was when they didn't care about Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan goes into WrestleMania for Sheamus' big title win. Oh, that can open. It's only Sheamus. And here he is, the guy we're relying on for the star power in the Elimination Chamber match. So, yeah, thanks for that, Ryan. Um... Oh, where was we? Where was... So Nia Jax's hole. Let's get back to that. Let's just wrap it up because I don't really have anything else to say about it. Just a bizarre moment that when people look back from Raw, from what, what was it? The 5th of the 6th, 5th of February, 2021. You talk about Raw, you're not going to be talking about the Elimination Chamber announcement, about, about Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton. You're going to be talking about Nia Jax's hole. So... Yeah, WWE clearly are happy because they bl- they've like beeped it out of all of the YouTube videos and the repeats, so that'd be interesting. Um, so we're gonna stop talking about WWE now, but there is one thing that I did want. So let me have another drink of this. One thing I did want to touch on. I mean, I want to like you know like, pass stuff on to our listeners. Yeah, if you've not listened to Kurt Angle's podcast, go and check it out. It's Comrades with Kurt Angle. Um, I, th- I can't think of the name of the podcast. I'll if you just search Kurt Angle, it's Angle Pod or something like that. But it's a, it was the first show this week and it was really good. I was listening to it while I was working. It's basically Kurt Angle, and he's just it's all about his WrestleMania 19 match um, with Lesnar. He talks about the injury that he picked up leading to that match, um, and it's just really good. He's talking about they were going to cancel the match. Um, that angle with his brother Eric, if you remember that angle. I remember watching that as a kid and thinking, great angle, little did I know. The original plan was to take the belt off Kurt Angle, going into Mania, put it on Brock, and have Brock face Chris Benoit. But I don't want to spoil everything, so definitely go and check out the Kurt Angle podcast talking about um, Brock Lesnar. It was a really good, it's about 80, 90 minutes, but it really it was a really good listen. Definitely a podcast people need to be checking out right before we head into talking about dynamite um just gonna talk about basically what i've been watching really i mean obviously i've been watching as even though it's WWE versus age i've always talked about new japan a little bit i do love new japan and um yesterday was their new beginning show if you've not checked out that show i'd say the only thing you really need to go out your way to see was the hiromu versus show iwgp junior heavyweight title match um, it was the longest junior title match in history, and um, it was great. I love the match. I've seen people say it was like it was good, but it wasn't great. I thought it was great. Loved it. I much preferred the Hiromu Show match to Hiromu versus Ishimori at Wrestle Kingdom. I thought it was really good. I thought Show looked excellent. I think if you were thinking about putting Hiromu into the heavyweight division, build that division around Show. He's great. He is re- I feel like he's. I think he could even go into the heavyweight division. Maybe better to give him a run as junior heavyweight champion first. But Show's going to be great. I'm all for a Show ELP feud. Let Show have the reins and he can, I don't know, maybe feud with Yo. Um, Desperado. There's plenty of people that he can feud with ELP. So, yeah. Go and check that match out. Hiromu versus Show. I've not watched Ibushi versus Sonata. So, I don't want any spoilers or anything in the chat or on Twitter. I was literally, I got back, oh, I've had a nightmare at work this week, so, as you know, I'm a window cleaner, and I've got one of these, you know, the water-fed pole systems, in the UK, it's been like minus three, minus four overnight, you see tank freezes, do you know what I mean, if you've not got a portable heater, which, 
criminally I don't at the moment. So my tank frozen all day today. My mum bless has been trying to unfreeze it because I leave it at the van at her work to fill up. I've been in trying to unfreeze it. We've been there with electric heaters in the back trying to unfreeze the water. So yeah, it's been a nightmare. So this morning while it was while my mum's there grafting, trying to get the tank up froze while she's working, I was sat here watching Dynamite. Um, I watched about an hour, 45 minutes of the New Japan show, but I've not actually watched the uh, Never Open Weight six-man tag match with uh, Jay White against... Um, what was it? Jay White against... Jay White and G.O.D. against uh, Ishii Goto and Yoshihashi. Yeah. And um, the Ibushi Sonata. I'm hoping that Ibushi retained because nobody, nobody needs to see Sonata as the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. I hope it didn't happen. Hopefully no one gives me a spoiler. Teb's almost give me a spoiler, I think. But hopefully not. As soon as I've recorded this podcast, I'm going to go and watch the New Japan show. And I suggest all the listeners, if you don't watch New Japan and you just watch WWE, just watch AEW, go and check it out. Go and check out New Japan. It is it's the best wrestling out there, really. Um... But yeah, I think that's pretty much everything in the news that I wanted to touch on. I was, my plan for the show at the start of the week, I thought, at the start of the week's podcast day, you think, oh, what can I talk about on the show this week? I thought, I'll do a big preview of TakeOver. There's just been that much to talk about, and that much going on. There's just not been time for it. I mean, does anyone really know Take? I mean, I've not watched NXT from last night, I might, I should really give it a watch. I probably will, so I know a little bit more what's going on at TakeOver. But it just feels like, I don't know, there's normally a lot more hype going into a takeover, but this one I just I, I can only name one match, which is someone who watches ridiculous amounts of wrestling each week is a crime. A little Balor versus Pete. I'm sure I'll be doing a review next week. I'm like takeover was great, but yeah, well, I'll probably touch on that at the end of the show. So without further ado, let's get into Dynamite from this week. So Dynamite, it was February tenth. Well, it was yesterday anyway. Whatever. And the show opened up with a really, really good match. It was Darby Allen versus Joey Janela for the TNT title. And these two have had great matches. They had one at Bowler, I think, a few years ago. I don't know. I watched some match where there was, like, Janela. Darby did, like, a crazy dive. But this wasn't like that. The story of this match wasn't, like, weapons or crazy spots, which we all thought it was going to be. This was, like, it was, like, about a seven or eight-minute sprint. But the action was fantastic. The chemistry between these two... I wasn't expecting it to be this good. It's the best Joey Janela's looked inside an AEW ring. And I just thought, I was watching this thinking, wow, Darby Allen, there's your guy. There's your guy, 28 years old. Yeah, was he 28, 29? He is being booked like a star and he is going to be a star in a few years if he's not already. Now, this guy is great. He gave Joey Janela his best match in AEW. Not to say that Joey Janela didn't hold up his side of the bargain. I just thought he was... It was very smooth, a lot of like the transitions, the moves, they were all smooth. There was nothing like, there was a bit like rough, which these two do have a tendency to have, but no. Great, they just really smooth together. I'd be happy to see these two go at it again. And yeah, a really good match. And I'm glad that Janela finally showed people that he can actually go. I mean, if you watched any of his independent stuff, I mean, some of his stuff at the, well, what is it, the beat show that he does? What is it called? Joey Janela Spring Break, yeah? I've, I've watched a few of them, and he's had great matches on those shows, so I'm really glad that Joey Janela showed that he's not just an indie wrestler. But what I did was, I'm sure they said last week that Sting and Team Taz were meant to be ringside for this. Sting was meant to be watching Darby's back, but they just scrapped it, which was weird, considering they mentioned that on Wednesday, and this show was a taped show. So in 24 hours, it went from Sting and Team Taz were going to be around ringside to nothing. But yeah, 
Darby retains with a coffin drop. And yeah, really, really good match. I really enjoyed this match. Um, we get a Moxley promo outside. Basically, he's with his IWGP US title. Um, he's basically saying tonight is just for fun. Not really much he talks about in this, but yeah. But then the main thing that was backstage was as hopefully the picture's not gone. Are we still there, YouTube people? Um, Sammy Guevara comes in with a cameraman to the Inner Circle's dressing room. He says, he watched. I watched last week. I know what you're doing, MJF. You're trying to take over the Inner Circle. MJF turns it round and says, no, you're the one trying to take over the Inner Circle. And basically, Sammy's like, yeah, yeah, I want to take over the Inner Circle, blah, blah, blah. And MJF's buzzing because he's recorded it on his phone. I thought, that's a bit dumb because we've just basically... You're hinting you've recorded it and you're going to show Chris Jericho, but as they've just said a minute ago... It's not WWE, it's AEW. The wrestlers do watch the show. They're not going to pretend that they don't. So I'm not sure why you'd need a recording when obviously people watch the show. And I'm assuming Chris Jericho would watch the show. So Sammy basically throws a punch and he throws MJF's phone. Cody Rhodes, Lee Johnson uh, defeated Peter Avalon and Cesar Benoni. Now this match, last week it raised my eyebrows. Like why? Why do we need that match? Do we need this match on the show? Why is Cody Rhodes with them? Well, this is why, because Cody Rhodes in this match allowed Lee Johnson to shine. Lee Johnson looked great. Um, this match was all about getting Lee Johnson over, and yeah, they did a really good job of it. He got his he got his spots, his time to shine. He did did really well in this match. Not sure why he won via roll up on Avalon. You don't need to protect Peter Avalon. Just beat him clean in the middle, but did a good job. They did a good job, and yeah. It was interesting, Lee Johnson was on a Z0-29 losing streak, and this was his first win. Nice little interview after the match. I thought they could have mentioned it a bit more. Maybe they mentioned it on commentary. I wasn't paying attention. I was hoping my time could be sorted, but yeah, Lee Johnson gets his first win. Now we know who Lee Johnson is more than we did. He Next time he's in a match on Dynamite, oh yeah, Lee Johnson, he was great in that little tag match they did. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed this. We've got the Young Bucks and the Good Brothers backstage. The Good Brothers trying to convince them they were trying to distract Private Party last week. Um, they basically plugged the Private Party match at No Surrender. Um, and the Bucks say, you know what? You're right. We want to we want to defend these tag team titles against Santana and Ortiz next week. I literally last week's podcast, I was literally saying, look. Bucks, Santana Ortiz had like that little program going into full gear in 2019. They, they need to revisit it. Were, were they listening? Were you listening? A week later, a day later, because it was taped a day later. Um, we've got that as the main event next week. The Young Bucks defend the titles against Santana and Ortiz, and I'm looking forward to that. See, that's what I like. P- AW been getting, not heat, but you see people about saying, oh, um, oh the, do you know what I mean? Santana Ortiz really haven't gained much from AW which I don't tend to agree with myself. They've listened to it. They've sensed that people want Santana and Ortiz to be given a chance to shine. They're in the main event at Dynamite next week. So, yeah, that is great. If people wonder, oh, Tony Khan won't read that. Flipping out, if anything, Tony Khan's on Twitter too much. Ask a Fulham fans. <laughs> I mean, God bless him. He's only trying his best. He's great with wrestling, but he's tweeting about Scott Parker, the Fulham manager. He's tweeting about he was trying to sign Ivan Tony and uh, replying to the Peterborough chairman. Uh, if you're not a football fan, you might be wondering what I'm going on about, but not really something you... St- I know you might see, say, when he speaks about wrestling, people are like, oh, great. 
Football fans don't want to hear anything from the chairmans the majority of time, unless it's sacking a manager that they don't like. So yeah, football fans aren't as kind as wrestling fans in terms of like the owners going out and talking. But hey, um, we basically get Hangman Page getting in. If there's a lot, this is what I was thinking about the show. There was a hell of a lot going on. There was a lot to take in. You might forget certain bits of the show. And people complained about Dynamite a few weeks ago. Oh, too much going on. And I thought the same, but I thought, do you know what? How many wrestling shows have we watched over the years, not just WWE, where fuck all's been going on. So I'm going to be the last person to complain about a two-hour wrestling show where there's loads going on, there's loads of stuff. People might say too much to digest, but think of all the years we suffered of meaningless smackdowns when it, the roster was split up and just that just loads of wrestling shows when there's not been nothing going on so if we're having loads of angles there's loads of great matches on the show loads of stories coming out of it don't complain just enjoy it just enjoy it because maybe it'll last forever maybe it won't we're living in a great period in five years time 10 20 years time people look back and say Dynamite was great at the start of 2021, which it has been. Sorry if I offended any WWE fans. It's just the truth. Um, so, yeah, basically, Matt Hardy's trying to get Hangman Page to go out for a pint with him or a drink. And then you get. I like the fact the Dark Order was stood there and Hangman was like, oh, uh, it was like when you were a kid and it's like the other kids are like, oh, I'm going out with my new friend now. So, sorry. And it was like... It made you feel sorry for the Dark Order. And it just keeps that thing going. It's going to be great when Hangman eventually sides with the Dark Order. Joins the Dark Order. Hopefully becomes the leader of that. That'll be great. Hopefully it's in front of fans. Because that's going to be really good. Um, another comment from Ryan. AEW do good with their two hours. Yeah, they definitely do. Especially... I mean, I watched... Um, I watched the Dynamite from a year ago. At the start of February. In front of fans. And it just... It was alright. It wasn't good. It wasn't great. And I thought, wow, they've really come on a lot the last year. They really have come on a lot. And the show, if you go back and watch AEW Dynamite from a year ago, it was fine. But it's just on a completely different level at the moment. There's, the level of improvement they've had in the last 12 months during a global pandemic is staggering. Just go back and watch Dynamite from a year ago and you'll be like, well, it's alright. 12 months later, here we are, and the show is absolutely fantastic. Um, so, yeah, let's get back to Dynamite. And what was next? So, hang on, we've got another comment. PC has just froze for a second. That is just exactly what I wanted. Um, why, is, why is the PC freezing? Here we are, it's unfroze. Right, so next, no wonder I'd forgot, I was trying, I, I'll break you behind the paywall, my notes had gone off the screen, because this, the screen had froze basically, I was sat there and I thought, what was next on Dynamite, I should know off the top of my head, I don't know why I forgot, because it was Pac versus, versus Ryan Nemeth, Dolph Ziggler's brother, and it was a nothing match, I did like the finish of it, Black Arrow into the Brutalizer for the win, Nemeth did to his credit sell it really well, Pac wouldn't let go, which was interesting, we thought, he's babyface, but... As AEW said, we don't have babyface and heels. Pac wouldn't let go, so he's still showing, look, I've got the heels still in me. I'm not changing just because now I might be a crowd favourite. But yeah, Nemeth did sell it very well. Um, we get MJF approaching Chris Jericho backstage. He's saying, look, Sammy's broke my ribs. 
um, from the shot early's ribs roll taped up, so they're going to use that in the next match. The Acclaimed versus Jericho and MJF. The Acclaimed, I'm telling you, people might not be sold on them. These two are going, I think they already are a great act. They're going to be stars. In a few months' time, when crowds come back, the crowd are going to be eating their entrance alive. They really are. I mean, they might not be the best workers in the ring. We've not really got much evidence to go off. But the the, the gimmick's just great. I can, it's just going to go down a treat with that live audience. And I don't know, the music when it comes in. It's one of those... Have you ever... You, there's, there's, like, moments in wrestling. There's themes in wrestling where... A babyface will be out there talking and a heels theme music will hit and it sort of sucks the air out of the building, but in a good way. I'm not like, I know like there's say Baron Corbin's music hitting, but the acclaimed music's hitting does it in like a, oh, fuck it out sort of way, but not in a bad way. So I do think the acclaimed act is going to get over. In about 18 months, they're going to be over as hell babyfaces, but for the time being, they're just great heels. Great heels, and I'm really enjoying the work. Hopefully, they'll get better in the ring. Um, but they had a decent little match here. It was heel versus heel. The acclaimed versus Jericho and MJF. Um, MJF and Jericho get the win. Judas effect from Jericho. There's loads of shenanigans going on. And then the big moment after Sammy Guevara's music hits. Speaking of going to become a huge baby face, Sammy Guevara is fucking brilliant. He is going to be a top baby face. In AW, another 44-year-old babyface. Oh, sorry, no. What is he? What? Late 20s. Late 20s, I want to say, yeah. Because AW doing the right thing. Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen, the pushing young guys. But hey, fuck it. If, if, if you're happy with Sheamus, if you're happy with The Miz, if you're happy with Jeff Hardy, every credit to you. I'm sure you'll enjoy Elimination Chamber. I probably will, but... Would it have hurt to put Ricochet in there? Would it have hurt to put Riddle, Keith Lee in there, Gaza? One, just one, that's all I wanted. But no, it's WWE 2021 slash WWE 2011. I'm sure all six of these, all six of them fuckers. Drew, yeah, he was in WWE in what, 2011? Jeff Hardy, he was 2009. Orton definitely was. Seamus, he was there stinking it up in 2010. AJ, God bless him, he wasn't. He was an impact in the midst. So five out of these six could have been in an Elimination Chamber match 12 years ago. Great. All right, back to AEW. Sorry to go a little bit off topic there, but... Um, so yes, Sammy quits the Inner Circle. Sammy quits the Inner Circle. Um, he said on December the 9th, I love how they like go back to previous stuff that you might have forgot. So I'd forgot that on December the 9th, he'd said that one more thing and he'd quit. In the earlier match, Arn Anderson was having a go at Bryce Remsberg Remsberg, um, for missing um, a low blow the other week. And I just like little touches like that. It may reward you for watching week to week. Um, But yes, we quits the inner circle. Marves follows him out the arena. He's asking why. Sammy took his case and said, look, I need some time away from this place. So maybe Sammy Guevara is taking some time off and he's going to come back. Probably when MJF has completely turned on Chris Jericho, but we will see. Sammy Guevara in line to be a future star. Speaking of future stars, possibly even a current star, Hangman Page. While this guy is going to be an absolute superstar, he's getting smashed with Matt. Oh, I'd love to be Hangman Page right now, getting smashed at a bar. Oh, 12 weeks, hopefully, pubs are reopening. 
Um, Matt is basically getting him pissed. Um, and yeah, so he's getting him pissed. He gets him to sign the contract and Hangman Page is with Matt Hardy. So I'm sure this is going to go on for weeks before he somehow gets out of it. There'll be a big match, probably Page versus Hardy or something. Maybe a double or nothing, where if Page wins, he gets out of the contract, something like that. Um, so yeah, the show keeps going. The pacing's fast and frantic. Sting is out. Team Taz are backstage. They've got Darby Allen in a body bag. And they drive off with it, dragging it across the car park. Two-minute segment. I was like, all right then. Great. So yeah, this was great. Do you know what I mean? Short but sweet. Which, this was another great segment. Another great segment. Just Kenny O'Page looked like a star. He's playing golf with Don Callis. And I just thought... Fucking brilliant. It's just dynamite. I can't say any more how much I love this show. We've got Kenny Omega doing a promo at the golf course. Um, he's talking about, I don't need to be preparing for my match. I can just play golf. I'm 15-0 in singles competition. Blah, 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 blah. Just great. Just give me more of this. 12 months ago, if you listened to the WWE versus AEW podcast, I would have been like, what are they doing with Kenny Omega? So for anyone who's thinking, oh, this guy loves AEW. 12 months ago, you go on these podcasts. I was saying NXT was the winner of the week each week. I was not really liking Dynamite, the way they were booking the likes of Omega. So, I can criticise them, and I will if they do wrong, trust me. Just listen to my full gear review. But, Kenny Omega was great, and I'm just loving the way they're doing it. Next, we got Thunder Rosa, Thunder Rosa versus Layla Hirsch. Uh, the first match in the Women's Eliminator Tournament. This was really good. I mean, I've been the first to shit on the AEW women's division in recent weeks, months. This was the best match I've seen in a while. I enjoyed it more than the Thunder Rolls of Britt Baker match even. I thought Layla Hirsch looked great. Good suplexes. She's knees flying everywhere. Dives to the outside. Thought she looked really good. And Thunder Rosa is really good every week. She's the person along with Britt, I'd say, the division needs to be built around. And yeah, best AEW wins match in a while. Thunder Rosa gets the win. Um, they announced that Monday, the Japanese side of the bracket, which is mainly Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestlers, and that's going to be live on YouTube. Um, I think it's, what, 7 or 8 Central Time Monday night on YouTube. Um, the UK, that will be, what, Tuesday morning. Um, so, yeah, you can check out all those matches. Um, I think it's at the place where the Blue Ribbon place or whatever, where Stardom record. Um, so, yeah, that'd be interesting. Jungle Boy promo! Talking, it was short but sweet again. He shows that he can talk. And yeah, this was fine. He didn't really go into much detail. We know that Marco's stunt's all right. That was about it. Um, as everyone Dynamite, they announce what's next week. And next week's card is FTR versus Matt and Mike Seidel. Maybe I'm just ignorant, but I didn't even know Matt Seidel had a brother that wrestled. Um, we've got Hangman Page, Matt Hardy and Private Party versus Hybrid 2 and Chaos Project. Sting is going to call out Team Taz. I feel like that's happened way too often recently. Um, Serena Deeb takes on the returning Rio in the Women's Eliminator Tournament. And then the main event, the Young Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz. So a nice lineup for Dynamite next week. And that Young Bucks, Santana, Ortiz match I'm really excited for. And they'll just progress the storylines nice and slowly. Right, I'm going to need another and my, probably my last bit of Dandelion and Burdock while we're on air. This main event. If anyone who's doing a podcast on this tried to take notes, every credit to you. I was taking notes and halfway through I thought, oh, fuck this, I'm enjoying this. 
It's Kenny Omega and Kenta versus John Moxley and Lance Archer and a Falls Count Anywhere Lights Out match. Sounds crazy. It was crazy. Uh, it was strange seeing Kenta. Just Kenta coming out, do you know what I mean, with his Go To Sleep Club t-shirt on, with his briefcase that I've been seeing in New Japan every show for months. Just coming out in the middle of the main event of Dynamite. Bizarre to see, not complaining about it. Um, so yeah, they, they, made, they made a call. I've got this in my notes that made me laugh. Um, Don Callis is like, why is Roberts not on commentary? And Excalibur's like, we can't give him a live mic. Made me chuckle. Um, but yeah, this match is crazy. We get a GTS on Peter Avalon who's in the crowd. They're fighting in the kitchen. There's potatoes flying about everywhere. There's, they're going through the tables in the kitchen. The spot of the match where I, I don't even need to read any notes. It, they're basically, um, Lance Archer's trying to put Kenta through the announce table, which I don't think that happened on Dynamite before. Because I was thinking, oh, it doesn't happen every week, so it would be a big thing. But Kenta escapes. And as he escapes, out of nowhere, he just dives off the stage... And threw John Moxley through a table outside the stage. This was a great spot. It was like took you completely by surprise. Um, I'm just laughing at my notes. I've got him in my notes. Moxley hits Omega with a potato and Shivoni shouts. He potatoed him. I think it was Shivoni. Maybe it was um, Excalibur. But yeah, we're getting Archers doing moonsault off the ropes. The Good Brothers are out. Jake Roberts um, takes out Anderson. Gallows takes him out. They're about to V-trigger um, Jake the Snake Roberts, just a great match, go and watch it out, just, might not have been a purist, might not have been highly regarded by the purist, but this was such a fun match, this was an Attitude Era match, this was a crazy match, go and check this match out if you've not seen it, and the ending comes, um, basically Moxley and Kent are like on the outside fighting, um, and we get a magic killer to Lance Archer and Kenny Omega, Hits the one-winged angel on Lance Archer. Yeah, you heard that right. Hits the one-winged angel on him with help um, from the Good Brothers. But yeah, Omega gets the win, rightly so. And thought he'd be the one to beat Archer. I thought maybe they'd be doing like an Omega-Archer match like at some point on a Dynamite. Maybe they still will. But um, Archer was there to take the pin in this match and he did. This was so much fun. I went four stars on it. Go and check this out. Excalibur, the forbidden door's been kicked open, he says, to end the show. And yeah, just a great match and a great way to end a great episode of Dynamite. Interesting enough, I started watching the New Japan show and even Kevin Kelly was talking about, Kevin Kelly's talking about on the start of this New Japan show, um, he's talking about the ending to the main event of Dynamite, and oh, I seen Kenta dive off the stage during these New Japan matches on a big New Japan show, I'm thinking, wow, crazy world we're living in in terms of wrestling at the moment, and yeah, um, the match, if you've, if you've not checked out the match, main event, of the main event of Dynamite is available on New Japan World, imagine six months ago hearing that, two months ago hearing that, it's just great to see. You love to see it. They're clearly working. Well, they are working together, and it's great. The main event of Dynamite is on New Japan World. Things you'll love to see. Um, so, yeah, I just can't wait to see where this all goes. So, great to see. So, yeah, that that brings us towards the end of the podcast. Um, one last comment from Ryan. Thanks for your participation, Ryan. AW do lights out matches, right? They do indeed. What was the first one? Was it, was it Janela against... Um, Moxley back on Fighter Fest, one of those shows, those early shows before they started weekly TV. Um, 
But yeah, so we're just going to finish by talking about what's coming up this weekend. I mean, there's nothing huge, but there's a lot of stuff going on. If you're looking for uh, last weekend, there was nothing going on, was there? We've got a Bloodsport card on Saturday night. If you've not checked out Bloodsport, check them out. Um, they're really good. I've seen them, but I've not actually attended them at WrestleMania weekend, but I've wanted to. I was many this year. Um, main event, Jeff Cobb versus Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson. Um, which will be good. We've got No Surrender in back pay-per-view Saturday night. Private Party chasing the Impact Tag Team titles against the Good Brothers. A big, I know it's not wrestling, but a big UFC Saturday night. Takeover on Sunday. Finn Balor versus Pete Dunne. Jesus Christ, there's a lot of stuff to watch this weekend. Blackman versus Preston North End tomorrow night. Oh, I'm not looking forward to it. Not looking, I think, Blackburn for the first time in God knows how long. 20, 21 years are probably going to beat us at Ewood Park tomorrow night. And I'm going to be miserable all weekend watching Bloodsport, watching these shows. But hopefully, hopefully Preston can get a result at Blackburn tomorrow night. Um, but yeah, plenty to watch this weekend. We'll be back next week. Might do a re- re- review of the TakeOver show, depending on how it is. But if not, you can always rely on us. Next Thursday, we will be back. 5pm approximately UK time. Um, So yeah, thanks everyone for listening. And yeah, I will see you all next week on WWE vs. AEW Live. I'm going to finish this can of dandelion and burn up. And miraculously, that has stayed on the screen. The image has stayed on the screen. Um, So yeah, subscribe, find us on Twitter. um, Daniel Ball Wrestling at WWE versus AEW. We're on Patreon. If you want to support the podcast, we're on Patreon. www.patreon.com forward slash neutral wrestling. To be honest with you, I don't really do much on the Patreon. Do need to really sort that whole out, but I wanted to get the YouTube YouTube stuff sorted. We've got a, a list to go through. Get Apple Podcasts going. That is really, really successful at the moment. Now, my next mission is the YouTube, which we're slowly getting into in the live stuff. Soon as that's big, I will get the Patreon sorted. But yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you've enjoyed the show. And I will be back, if not to do a talk, um, a show on TakeOver. I will definitely be back this time next week. So yeah, we'll see you next Thursday for WWE versus AEW Live. Thanks, everyone, for listening. See you next week.